Welcome to Demon Road Diaries. You know who it is? It's that Demon Road crew. It's me, it's me, that sweet KG. I am your Music City Messiah, Caden Green. I'm your bastard son, Ronnie Rios. I am your as above, so below, witch bitch, Chelsea Durden. You're not escaping necessary burden. God! Just because you changed your moniker. <laughs> I, I literally am not ever going to do necessary burden, Chelsea Durden, so put it out of your heads. Well, I've got audio of you saying it now. So. Fuck! <laughs> uh, uh. Oh. So, so uh, did you guys watch the greatest wrestling match ever? Oh, you mean um, a normal independent wrestling match main event, but with fed guys? <laughs> That's what. So we got a special guest on the intro. Next week's guest, Mr. Captain Aaron Nova. And he literally said that to me as we watched it together. Like, this is basically if you did David Starr versus, like, I don't Joey know. Joey Janela. Joey Janela, but you put it on on the Fed. Yeah. <laughs> Fed finishes. I don't hate it. No, I mean, honestly, I was we were watching it, and, like, from the jump, they had our attention, like, with the Finkel intro and the crap. Okay, can we talk about the crowd noise? Like how putting canned crowd noise throughout the whole match made it so much better. Is that what that was? I thought that yeah. the fans. I thought that the fans. There's a hard quotation around there because, like, yeah. Uh, well, they have. Yeah, they had fans there, and they were chanting, but they sweetened a lot of it. Like that's wild. So yeah. like, I'm so used to mentally hearing crowd noise or whatever that I only notice it when it's not there. Mm -hmm. So I literally didn't even notice until you just brought it up. Yeah. But, yeah. That's that fucking crowd inception noise. So I was saying it the other day. I'm like, when they said, we're not going to have a crowd, I was like, well, this is awkward. And then they're like, we're going to have a crowd, but it's going to be a bunch of the NXT jobbers and like coming up you know, dudes, and they're going to be social distanced. And now I'm like, that might be more awkward than no crowd at all. Mm, no, I prefer with them to no crowd. I wish they would include like the way AEW does it, where you actually have like like main roster talent just hanging out, just talking shit. Yeah, and advancing their storylines, like. You know, getting their character. What if, like Bray Wyatt's just sitting there with a chili dog, like full gimmick and everything. He's, he's got like, the puppets, like all the puppets have a seat. All the puppets like, are sitting next the to him. Yeah, he's like mowing down a chili dog. That'd be fucking great. And it's like not, it's not the way the Fed does it, where they only watch the match of the person they're feuding with. It's like Bray Wyatt's just watching the women's tag match because he can't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is nice. Like, yeah. What do you think? Uh, I'm I'm doing hand puppets with my hands right now because I keep forgetting this is an audio podcast. Well, like I said, we're um, we've been talking about possibly also doing video related weirdness and create uh, expanding the Demon Road Diaries universe or however you might want to put that uh, into YouTube. So keep an eye out. Um, that should be coming in the next couple weeks where we'll be popping weird funny shit 
and video from cinematic universe cinematic universe which reminds me before wrestling completely gets back i want to have a dumpster fire cinematic wrestling match i'm in 100 percent so here's how that's what the street profits and viking raiders did tonight (laughs) so here's the idea the, the way you win is by throwing your opponent in a dumpster and lighting it on fire. I'm willing to accept that burden. Right? Fuck that burden again. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> that's, that's the catchphrase. Will you accept the burden? <laughs> Do I follow it up with fuck, fuck, fuck every time? Yes. Every day. That sounds like money to me. That could be the cr- how the crowd follows it up. You can be like, will you accept this the burden? And then the crowd's like, fuck, 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 fuck. I hate you. <laughs> Stop avoiding your destiny. <laughs> Not my destiny. Uh, all right. Um, any other fun things you guys want to talk about? Because honestly, I really enjoyed this talk we have with C.J. O'Doyle, and I kind of just want to jump into it. Any other pressing matters? Yeah, it was a really fun interview. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. C.J.'s our boy. Uh, he's an all-around jerk to you guys, but not to us because we love him. Um, Chelsea, you had a match today? You want to talk I about that? did have a match that was originally supposed to be a tag team match. Then it was split into a fatal four-way because the uh, champion, women's champion of Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum, was forced to forfeit. And I stole a pin and stole the title. Hey! Women's champion. Sweet! I did an awful lot of pelvic thrusting on my way out as a homage to Hayden. Title victories, super pelvic. Do what? <laughs> that's, that's just what we do. Yeah. Right? Oh. That's, our, that's our thing, like awkward pelvic thrusting? Yeah. With the belt. Godly amounts of With pelvic thrusting. Ace Ventura style. Like, oh, Ace Ventura can style. you feel that? Can you feel the title victory? <laughs> if you don't, I'm going to make you feel it with this pelvic thrust. Mm-hmm. That's basically how it happened, and I didn't realize that I was doing that until it had already happened. And I was like, "This is just part of my repertoire now. I just yeah. do this." It just happens, you know. Sometimes I'll be in the car listening to like whatever music, and I'll just like start pelvic thrusting, and I'll be like, "What are you doing? Drive a car, weirdo." That's just Music City Messiah shit. That's me. That's what I do. Demon shit. Oh, there was something. I I watched the prod. Oh, I did. I finally got around to watching the rest of In Your House um, this morning. And that Adam Cole match. Like, I saw bits and pieces originally, but I finally sat down and watched the whole damn thing. And fuck, it's so good. My favorite part of the entire thing, even though, like, the whole thing was, like, 
pretty great. My favorite thing was when Dexter Loomis popped out from under the ring, beat mm-hmm. the shit out of the rest of the Undisputed Era, tossed them in a car, and just drove away. I was like, yes. You kidnapped them. That. Kidnapped he them. He kidnapped the rest of the Undisputed Era. So I know you guys can't see this. Actually, you might be able to see this because it may end up in video format, but Rios has taken his hair and turned it into a very close fashion. I was wondering how long this was going to take. I wanted to say something so bad. I was like, I didn't know if this was the gimmick here. Like, okay, this is what he does. Like, because I feel like you do this in the locker room. Like, it's just like. He mankinded his whole hair. Yeah, he turned it into wood. I'm very good at entertaining myself when I'm bored. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I boring you, Brother Rios? <laughs> oh, no. I just like. Do you need me to like um, ring girl through your screen and like powerbomb Nova? Wait, what, wait, what, what did I do? Wait, yeah, I was, Nova had, your I was, so, was, I was agreeing with you. Me. Wait a minute. Sarah, brother. Hold on, hold on. I will not have Captain Aranova be dragged through the mud for my indiscretions. Collateral fucking damage. It's literally that's what it's that's that you're pretty much describing my whole life. Somebody does something, I get powerbombed through a table for it. I don't know why. Shit happens it's probably because you just have a very Death is incoming pass me a hot dog i guess because i'm so jacked that yeah. you know when you powerbomb somebody so jacked you got that like that visual of their just jacked back slamming into the mat brother like you you, you know what i'm saying and, and you catch the reverb yeah powerbomb come on all right so on that note let's go into this um interview with the all-around jerk uh the lion hearts uh and like uh some people call him dad so because he you know because like well like a small child calls him dad there's like at least one person who is under four feet tall who does indeed call him dad. True. Uh, but the rest of us, we call him C.J. O'Doyle. Uh, so enjoy the interview with C.J. O'Doyle. Do the rules. Do the rules. So welcome to Demon Road Diaries. It is time for that interview. We've probably told you who we are already in the news because that's what happens um so we're just gonna we're gonna slide into it uh you may have seen him all over the east coast you may have seen uh him on nxt tv um doing a little here and there or uh seeing him at fest hanging out with us um you might know him as a jerk or you might know him as the Lionheart, cj o'doyle Hello. <laughs> what up? <laughs> if you saw me on NXT, if you saw me on NXT, I was probably looking up at the lights. Those were good times. Good times. You know, yeah, back back when you had hair. Back when I had hair. Now it's just well, we all know where it is now. But yeah. <laughs> it's on that chest. Thanks. Anyways, thanks for having me. Yeah. 
Um, so what? It's like so, I blew my load on the on the preamble. <laughs> it's all good, bro. We'll, we'll fluff you back up. Don't worry. Perfect. Please. Uh, so CJ, um, I it's weird. It's, I'm glad we're having you on because like I feel like you're one of the first people I met in pro wrestling. Damn, you know how old I am. You know how many people tell me that. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's a weird story about that with me and CJ too. Well, just I remember being like super super green, uh, or you know probably still am if talk to a certain certain people. Um, but I remember being green as fucking goose shit, showing up to my first like ACW show, and um, yeah, you were like literally one of the first people outside of my n- nucleus of like training that I met and um, it was just cool. Cause you were like super chill, super nice guy. Not that I was meeting like a ton of assholes or anything, but it was just, you know, like I see that you're like an established guy who's like doing some things. You were like ACW champion at the time or at least in the title picture. And you know, you're just super approachable and super chill. And like, you've always maintained that like, energy of like one of the chillest people in the back and so that's why i'm always happy seeing you with shows because i'm just like oh cj's here i'm gonna have a good time and first off i appreciate that second off i guess my check is in the mail for all that kind (laughs) (laughs) the 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 worst part is the worst part is you know uh i guess much like Shawn michaels not that i'm anywhere near that but i've definitely had my fair share of being a um passionate person and so as you're starting your spiel, I'm like, oh, shit, was I a jerk to him or was I super cool? Because <laughs> there's I, mean, little... I guess I caught you. I caught you. Uh, and like, you know, if you had your Shawn Michaels era, that was before me. So that was I caught you on the comeback found Jesus version of Shawn Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like, uh, I feel like once my son's mother was pregnant, then I like went from super um aggressive to real chill probably really quick so it was his thanos snap so so okay so you were talking about being worried that you were super aggressive so like kind of where did you uh where did you start man like where where did it all start for you and what what made you so passionate about pro wrestling um oof it's kind of two questions and this might start one of those tangents we talked about in the preamble. So please interject because nobody wants to hear me talk uninterrupted. Not even me. So um, so I started going to – okay. So I was eight and the TV goes on. I should have been in bed. I guess now I know where my son gets it from. And I think it, was Saturday, it was Saturday night. I come downstairs. My parents – made the biggest mistake of letting me come down they're flipping through the channels all of a sudden wrestling goes on and it's Shawn michaels versus the british bulldog 1992 for the intercontinental title and oh my god the bad guy won this this doesn't happen superman always wins batman always wins spider-man always wins darkwing duck always foils the plan right so mm-hmm. you what- see Shawn michaels and you're just like i want to be exactly like him backstage <laughs> and on the show <laughs> and all uh, but no I was just like this shit's cool and then my next memory was um, Saturday, some Saturday morning WCW Sting was on TV I, I, get, I feel like Sting was wrestling at Disney but anyway so Sting's on I'm like, anyway this is cool uh, that, was a, that was a thing they wrestled out of MGM 
Well, no, I know that, but I just mean, like, thinking back, like, was Sting ever actually at MGM? Like, why would Sting be on that show? But, um, because it was always, like... Well, that was before they had Nitro. So that was actually the Saturday night show that they did on TBS was the only TV they had. So, yeah, everybody was on that show. No, no, this was in the morning, I think. That was the Saturday morning one? Yeah, with the with the ring that would spin on the platform. Yeah, that was the that was their TBS slot. That was the only TV they had at six uh-huh. o'clock. No, Maybe like replayed it. No, like they so like basically like they they didn't always have the six o'clock slot. That rotated a lot. Like during that period of like the when Bischoff first took over, that's when all they had from the network. Because at that point, WCW was like not making any money and. The only reason they had a time slot was because Ted Turner owned it and Ted Turner loves wrestling. So the best slot they could get was Saturday morning. Uh, like, uh, so that was that was their only TV until Nitro. I just remember Sting one episode and then The Gambler the next episode. The fucking Gambler. The Gambler. I'll always remember The Gambler because that was Glacier's first opponent. That's the what? only reason I remember The Gambler. because that that was Glacier's first opponent when he finally debuted. Was the Gambler? Dude, the Gambler was awesome. <laughs> no, I remember him being cool. It was just like I, it's the only memory I have of him is just like that was Glacier's first opponent. <laughs> that arrow is like such a fever dream. I feel like he looked like Arn Anderson a little bit from what I can barely remember, but it was like it was like if Arn Anderson and Steve Kern like kind of did the fusion dance. Yeah. But anyways, so uh, growing up in Philly, that I was wrestling. I got the WWE magazine or WWF magazine, and there was an article, and it was like, "Oh, so you want to be a wrestler?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I do!" And it was like, um, "Go to your local shows, ask to help out." I'm like, "All right, cool." So, oh, and previously between a youth and a teenager, I would just wrestle all the kids on the block. I would usually win, and um, I guess the bigger kids were nice enough to let me put up a fight, whatever, which built which. Which built up my confidence, thankfully. Because if I was just getting crushed, I probably wouldn't want to do it at all. But <laughs> um, so that was between a youth and a teen. The teen is when I saw the magazine, and it said, "Say so you want to be a wrestler." And uh, ironically, I think the article was by Jim Cornette. And whether it was K five or not K five, it said, "Go to your local shows." And living in Philly, there's nothing more local than EC Dub. So, uh-huh. so I was already going to the EC Dub shows every three weeks religiously. And one day afterwards, I was just like, hi, can I help you take down the ring? And much to my surprise, they said, sure, kid, grab some guardrail. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Um, I got to take down, you know, I got to help with the guardrail. And then the next show, I got to carry stuff. And it literally progressed up to taping the ropes. Yet I was never actually allowed inside the ring, which is still kind of cool, but. Then it progressed to showing up at noon when the ring would get there and setting up and tearing down. And uh, one memory I have is me and my buddy, who was also 14 at the time or something. Uh, the two of us, along with Bill Wiles and Mike Keener, were the only four that took down the entire setup. And we did it in like record time. It's always the less people did the better, actually. But um, so I always got to do that and then met some of the ECW guys. And then um, I asked a couple of them and then... Um, uh, Simon Diamond was like, oh, go to ECWA, Jim Kettner. And then somebody else was like, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, somebody else was like, yeah, Sandman and Gary Wolf have a, a gym, whatever. And um, that's kind of how I got started into wrestling. I think that was the question because I'm on a tangent. Um, 
But yeah, so I was referred to two schools and I was not even 16. So driving to either Delaware school was a chore. <laughs> um, and then, so I wasn't able to really go to Kettner's VCWA because of, you know, I was underage. And then um, through going to local shows, I learned that a couple of local guys were training at um, Hacks, Sandman Hacks School, where Pitbull Guy Wolf was the trainer. Um, and Billy Real was a trainer and I would catch rides with guys that were going to that school and that's how I got into wrestling basically by really cool intro what that's like a that's like a really cool intro because you don't hear it's not oh well I just kind of uh brother childed my way onto the ECW ring crew and yeah (laughs) like that's what people like there's like a weird thing about ECW where like it did have like that mom and pop almost local indie um like affect about it because it just was such a a literal it was just a super indie basically but people failed to recognize but even though they were just a super indie they still were the third largest american promotion during the hottest period in of pro wrestling's history oh yeah and then they are they arguably influenced um they, their, their extreme nature arguably influenced uh, in my opinion, if you're asking me just my opinion, my opinion is I believe that they absolutely influenced um, both WWF and WCW to get more risque, if you will. And uh, right. ECW, ECW was doing shit before the Attitude Era was even a thing. So I, I think if there's no ECW, there's no Attitude Era, my opinion. I'm biased. No, I don't think that's that's almost an objective statement. That's like That's not even like debatable. Like ECW... Kind of, and also ECW created a lot of the culture that has then created things like PWG, Ring of Honor, and like GCW, where it's like it's not just about the hardcore; it's also about like what international talent can we bring in to really showcase all the different styles that exist in the world. Because that's that was always Heyman's trick: was I can't afford to like get every big name in the world, and I don't want to just put on you know six or seven hardcore matches i want some variety on the show so he would bring in the luchadors like he gave Rey mysterio his first like american exposure he would bring in like japanese wrestlers like tajiri and he would bring in like you know psychosis and he would then like he would just go around and legends like dr death and terry gordy for that nostalgia exactly uh, and that rub if you will like terry funk you know yeah so he, like he would bring in and he would showcase like like the tape to the tape trader market that's watching stuff like All Japan and FMW and watching CMLL and AAA. It's like you know there's a whole world of wrestling out there that if I you know I can't get the big names but I can get the big ideas. And on, get- you mentioned tape trader Feinstein and Rob Feinstein and Gabe Sapolsky uh, and Doug God God rest his soul um, had their setup by the lower stage, by the men's bathroom, every ECW show selling their tapes. And you mentioned Ring of Honor. It's those three that started Ring of Honor, not Carrie, not Sinclair, not whoever else thinks started started ROH, but it was Feinstein, Gabe, and um, Doug that started Ring of Honor. So, well, so again, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I always think of that. That's funny. It's like um, when uh, they did the punk documentary, about CM Punk. I always think that's a really interesting because 
WWE is at the point now where they recognize Ring of Honor. Like they recognize that that's a promotion that exists, and that's where we got CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. Like there's like they they attribute all of those guys to that promotion. And there's a really interesting quote from the CM Punk documentary when they start to talk about Ring of Honor because you really can't talk about CM Punk's story without talking about Ring of Honor at length because he spent so much time there and it's such a significant part of the story. So there's this weird part of the day Paul Heyman has to explain to a WWE non-super fan audience what Ring of Honor is. And he looks into the camera and he goes, so Ring of Honor uh, was the brainchild of a protege of mine by the name of Gabe Sapolsky. And that's all he says. And then proceeds to talk about what CM Punk did there. And I just thought that was so funny because anybody outside of WWE who's like a super fan knows that that was really rob feinstein he bankrolled it like that was his company but then he got ousted for obvious reasons um you know like child porn and uh, and uh so it's just it's so funny to me how wwe has the ability like to rewrite history like that because they are well, the they're they're a global entity and they're publicly traded so they obviously have to do what they have to do yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my my comment really stemmed from more of You'd be surprised how many people I talk to, and when ROH comes up, they always talk about Carrie, and I'm like, yeah. "Wait, what? he didn't start Ring of Honor." So yeah, I. But that's what I'm saying is like for a long time I forgot that Rob Feinstein from RF Video actually started Ring of Honor. I always think of it as a Gabe Sapolsky thing, and then I'm like, "Oh wait, no, it was Rob." And then yeah, there are people like that who are like, "Oh no, it's Carrie Sulkin," and I'm like, "Oh, Carrie Sulkin is like the third person to own it." <laughs> yeah. But, but that's cool that you, so you got your initial formal training out of, uh, Sandman school with Pitbull Gary. Yep. So is that like your only school or did you train anywhere else? Um, trained there. And then you could say that, uh, the Samoans basically adopted me. So I didn't start there, but I'm basically, um, and I think they would agree one of theirs and throughout my Throughout my career, I've certainly been associated and vice versa. So, um, again, while I didn't take my first bumps there, um, it's almost like uh, a stepchild isn't yours, but it's also yours and you love them very mm-hmm. dearly because they're a part of your blended family. You know what I mean? You are an adopted child, perhaps. I'm an adopted child of all three of you. <laughs> that, that, that too. One day I'm going to rock some makeup and I'm going to be a demon jerk. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we lion, can always, lion shit, always hashtag lion shit. Um, well, so then, then I'm curious then, so what what brought you out of Philly and brought you down to Florida then? Because I, I am only really familiar with, like, your southeast work. Oh, um, so cliche story. Broke up with a girl, um, needed a fresh start. I was kind of, um, I don't want to say stale, but... Um, just a fresh start was, was a good idea. And I got a real small family and everybody, but one person was already down here anyway. So I was like, nah. Oh, and, um, TNA was going on at, um, universal and there was some potential opportunity there. And, um, there was a couple of other opportunities where some, some children of legends were breaking in and needed someone to kind of train them, whatever, whatever. So that opportunity arose and um yeah so i was just like all right you know i'll i'll chip in where i can and you know help train 
Um, and if there's some opportunity at TNA, whatever, and um, et cetera, et cetera. So that was pretty much that. And I guess it paid off because within six months, I was in like all the top Florida places. So that was cool. Um, and I was, I was bruiser waiting it up before bruiser weight was a thing with, uh, with Kenny King and Corey Chavis and Bruce Dante and John Davis and just tearing it up with all those fucking hard hitters, Tommy Taylor, all those Florida hosses, Florida hosses. Yeah. Yeah. I'm brain damage now from battles with those guys. <laughs> I'm sure John Davis would agree. Probably. <laughs> um, fucking yeah, man. I mean, so what was, so what would, what would you say was like when you got in, like, what was, what was your kind of your goals? Like, like what, what, what did you see for yourself and what were you shooting for? Gosh, I mean, I'm sure WWE champion was the goal. Um, I mean, this is now decades ago, but yeah, I mean, WWE champion would have been the goal. WrestleMania was the goal. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, we're talking, I've been doing this so damn long that this was when um, OVW and FCW were a thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at the time, you had to be as vanilla as possible so they could mold you, yada, yada, yada. Um, which is so funny because, you know, at that time, eons ago, it was like, oh, don't be too known. And, yeah, and now it's, you know, all the ROH guys are all the top guys, you know what I mean? And, um, so it's like, damn, I wish I would have tried to be a little bit more known versus fly just under that radar. But, uh, but yeah, the goal WWE, obviously wrestle champion, WrestleMania, all that shit. So, um, and I've still done a lot of cool shit and been super lucky. So I don't want to come off like, Oh, I failed. Rah, 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 rah. But, um, you know, if, if, uh, I don't wrestle anymore as of, you know, today I got no regrets. So, yeah. Harden over Gertz. That's cool, man. Well, so then, what would um, what would you say your highlights are then, like so far, like because I don't think you're done wrestling. Uh, oh but... no, I'm not wrestling. I'm just saying, God, I always wrestle every match, and I think you guys know I always try to wrestle every match, like it's my last, because you never know when I can trip and fall tomorrow and be crippled mm-hmm. and not be able to wrestle anymore. And perhaps if I would have been a little bit more cautious, my bump card wouldn't be as punched as it is, but. Um, you know, you, again, you never know what tomorrow, tomorrow's not guaranteed ever, right? We all know that. Yeah. Um, I just wrestle every match like it's my last, and that's where the passion comes from, because I don't ever want to phone it in or any of that bullshit. If my match sucks, then it just sucks. If it's great, then it's great, but it's not from a phoned-in performance. Um, and um, highlights, I mean, there's different highlights for different reasons. Um, Two of my favorite wrestlers were Chris Benoit and Shane Douglas. And I got to wrestle Shane Douglas a couple years ago in front of a thousand people. And it was, you know, there's obviously different, there's different Shane Douglases throughout the years, but I got a Shane Douglas that came to work his ass off. We wrestled for 20 minutes. It was um, just fucking everything you could hope for when you're wrestling your favorite wrestler, right? So I got so lucky, and that's one of my highlights. And we even did a thing where it was like I was the new franchise because that's not been done before. And uh, yeah. as myself and the promoter and, and the franchise are um, sitting down going over the match, and I'm just 
super professional exterior inst- interior. I am giddy as a fucking school child. Yeah. I can't believe this is happening. I'm sitting right next to him. This is so cool. I'm probably gonna have to shit before the match and hope that I remember to wash my hands. And, and um, so the promoter says, "Yeah, we're doing a thing where he's the new franchise." And he's like, "He's like, well, goddamn, why doesn't he just come out to my music?" And I'm like, "Okay, I can do that." <laughs> <laughs> Little does he know that at many, many indie shows prior to this, I've already used his music anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> But it was just cool. I got to come out to his music, wrestle him, yada, 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 20-minute match. Um, He cut a promo before the match, you know, cut the music, yada, yada, yada. We even did a finish where, because I'm so smart because I've studied him because I'm the new franchise, I go into his boot when he's down to try to pull out the steel chain that he always has. But because because he's the veteran, he knew I would do that. So as I'm unlacing his boot and he's recovering, he dips down to his pants, pulls the chain out from his pants, Wraps it around his fist, obviously hides it. And then when I go to pick him up, he breaks me, punches me in the face with the chain, hides the chain, pins me, spoiler. And it was just so fucking awesome. And um, similar story with Tommy Dreamer, obviously an ECW kid, getting to Mm -hmm. wrestle him, so awesome. Um, Pretty sure I pinned him. Anytime you want to rematch Dreamer, anytime. Uh, (laughs) You know my number, brother. (laughs) He does know so, that number, but um, and then so Douglas, Dreamer, and as a child, as an eight-year-old child, who didn't love Tatanka? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to wrestle Tatanka in front of a thousand people, just like the just like the franchise. He came to wrestle twenty minutes with fucking the fran- with fucking Tatanka. So what are my highlights? Getting to wrestle three of my favorite wrestlers. Um, all matches good, and just like that's so cool. I mean, I probably I'd still love to wrestle Edge. I think I'm a long ways away from that, but it'd still be cool. And uh, I don't think me and Benoit's happening anytime soon. So that pretty much probably not. Yeah. So, uh, and if we could do a six Triple H, so I mean, I probably have a better shot at working Edge. But uh, but yes, who gets to wrestle some of their childhood favorites, right? And and have good good non-phoned-in workaholic matches. Like, yeah. I'll, I, I, have the, I have the link to me and Douglas. I'll privately send that to you guys. I don't have me and Tatanka, but, I mean, you get the point. Like, as you can tell, I'm really excited about those matches still. Uh, yeah. So those are highlights. Um, I got to do the aces and, aces and eights stuff with TNA. That was super cool. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because that was uh, one of the very first times that I had heard of you. Um, our mutual friend was like, yeah, I got my buddy on to do, you know, the some of the masked eights and eight, aces and eights gimmicks. And I was like, man, that theme is a banger. <laughs> it is a banger. It's still a banger. Um, I'd still I'd still rock that right. I think someone, I think you probably posted that or, or texted me or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was because uh, we were watching, when I was living with Chelsea for two months, uh, I was like watching random YouTube videos. And one of them was the um, Brian Zane's Wrestling with Regret. He was reviewing the whole Ace and Eights arc, mm-hmm. and at one point, he talks about like how the theme song was literally like based off of the Sons Are Anarchy theme. Mm-hmm. And I turned to Chelsea and was like, "You know, I know that's the case, but like the TNA theme is such a banger, so much better than the Sons of Anarchy theme." 
and she like was agreeing with me like yeah it is a fucking banger and i think that's where that came from was just her sending it out now being like this song's a fucking banger i never i never even watched sons of anarchy and i and in in theory i'd like to go just watch the intro just to hear it in comparison to the aces and eights but i probably will forget just like i forgot to re-listen to aces and eights the other day but um side note uh hercules the hunter is very heavy like his four paws are i don't know if you can see him or not oh my god that's such his a four paws killing that's my boy uh, that's hercules 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 Hercules, Hercules. Um, that's, that's, that's how CJ's son uh, says Hercules. Yeah. Uh, you can't say you can't say Hercules, and I can barely do it, but you do a good version of it. Hercules. Hercules. Um, anyway, so yeah, Kyle. the the um the Aces and Eight stuff was cool, but the highlight was even though I was under a mask. Number one, it's still me, and number two, I got to. Did you just see a ghost, brother? No, I thought I heard him. For Sean. Um, even though it's under a mask, I still got to be in the ring during an eight-man tag on pay-per-view for TNA, and it was me and obviously three other aces and eights. I I can't remember. It was probably Devon, Mike Knox, maybe D'Lo. I just can't remember. But I know our opponents were Garrett Bischoff, Wes Briscoe, Samoa Joe, and Kurt fucking Angle. So, Gee, uh, what a lineup. Yeah, so um, to get to wrestle Joe and Kurt, like, okay. I may have been masked Aces and Eights member, but number one, I got in the ring. Number two, I worked the finish with Kurt fucking Angle. So mm-hmm. to say I've been legitimately pinned by Kurt Angle or tapped out, whatever it was, on pay-per-view i don't care it's still me so that was really cool (laughs) check cleared brother (laughs) another small highlight was um during one of the nxt matches i remember like oh okay you know simple get my ass kicked i'm used to this and then literally the bell rings and they're like you guys got four extra minutes and i've never known i've never been like four minutes what the hell am i supposed to do in four minutes that's too much time I, I, yeah. I what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, most people complain like, oh, four minutes in a match. What the fuck? That's no time. There's no time. Yeah. Okay. Shut well, up. This is a long time. Like, I mean, four, that's four Go minutes. Ahead. You might as well have told me that I've got 60 because yeah. with the bright lights, it was bright lights. It was live. And I'm like, I don't know enough wrestling moves to fill four minutes, and that's obviously a lie, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. In so, that moment, hearing that from the ref, it's like, you guys got four extra minutes. What? Yeah. Uh, deer in headlights. But uh, Sean Spears is the fucking best wrestler in the world. Yeah. And, um, he carried and did great and um, survived, so that was cool. So that's a highlight, just even though I was carried, just to even not fail. You know what I mean? To be able to follow a lead is still an accomplishment because we all know there's plenty of people that can't follow a lead. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are some other highlights? You guys probably even know better than I do. Um, I want to uh, I want to talk about a match you had, um, which is, I mean, the mysterious thing between the, me, Saeve, and Arya Blake. <laughs> no, but close. But that is a good highlight. <laughs> that is a good highlight. I want to. Talk about your singles match with Arya Blake. 
Oh, okay. Shoot. No, I'm just like, like, well, I, I, to me, that was a brilliant piece of business. Um, so what do you, what were your feelings about that match? Um, I was excited because it's their big show. It's the show where, um, for those, for people that are unfamiliar, it's Fest We Are Family show. And Fest is already an awesome promotion. I love it. It's so, I remember going to a show once, just to, like hang out and being like, I need to be here because in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, it's five, 10 years, this is the most ECW like crowd I'd ever seen. And I'm like, if East, and this is a, this is almost, <laughs> you good? I have a story that I've never told on the podcast, and I don't think I've ever told you. Okay, shoot. Uh, oh, God, okay. So, Fest um, routinely does this show called Bring Your Mom, which is like their Mother's Day show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, <laughs> we... <laughs> So the idea was, like, wrestlers legitimately bring their mothers to the show, and they set up a little area on the side where all the moms sit and watch. And I was talking to Leon, who's essentially, like, the head booker there. And we were talking about how it'd be so funny if we could do something where, like, because you have this misogynistic, like, fragile male ego character there who you, like, show up and you're all like, see this hair on my chest? means I'm a fucking man. And you're just like super heads, super bullish and super just shitty, but in the best way possible. And we were like, wouldn't it be funny if like we did a segment where all the moms came in the ring and then CJ comes out and he starts cutting a promo about how like he wouldn't bring his mother to this cesspool of debauchery (laughs) and lowlifes and lady boys and just like get real fucking weird and shitty. And then we wanted to hear off camera, like like off stage, you hear, oh, CJ. And we were thinking it'd be so funny if like this like elderly black woman comes out and and acts as if she's your mother, kind of like in like the Shelton Benjamin kind of like, you know, like here's my mama kind of thing. And like starts like berating you for like being so mean to everybody and you need to apologize to these young ladies and the, these beautiful women you're be i raised you better than that cj and then because it's not your real mom you just lean back and super kicker and fucking huge pop and like me and leon were like that's a great idea but where are we gonna find an like an old woman who can take a bump like that and coincidentally there's a woman her name is georgia and georgia's son Dion trained with my trainer Jay to become a wrestler and then she got the idea that she wanted to be a wrestler so she did training and you know she just physically never got there like she can't have a match or anything but she was trained to how to take a bump and I was like and like Leon was like I want to do this but I just literally don't know how to find someone to do it and I was like I literally know the one person who can do this <laughs> <laughs> and we almost got it working but then i guess like the last minute tony cut it or didn't uh, want to do it i guess because tony's the final word on that and yeah. he thought it would have been weird and like how do we get out of that because if you super kick her you have to like we can't just leave it at that like you have to then get some kind of comeuppance on that like a baby face needs to attack you or it yeah. needs to lead to something that's when you so, that's- that's when you ask me my input and I give you the comeuppance. 
What's your comeuppance on that? How do you end that story, CJ? Oh, simple. Someone else's music hits and fuck me up. But who fucks you up? Like, like specifically? Like, should it be Aria? Should it be... Whoever I'm feuding with at the time. And if I have no feud, then you either send out a plethora of baby faces or you send out my next feud. And that's how we yeah. start. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, it's real simple. The visual is I fucking... I, I fucking... Uh, J-Driller, the mom, mm-hmm. stand over, do my chest pose, and then as I've got my hands in the air, the music hits, and then boom. It's the same thing as when the Easter Bunny came out and stunned everybody during the hardcore hunt. So, yeah. So simple. I, uh, I don't remember, I don't remember why. Every episode. Yeah, I don't know why that didn't happen, but I, I, just some, I, I guess like Tony didn't like it or something. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that Leon... Was really into it, and I literally told him, like, I have the contact for this. Like, if you want to make this happen, I've it got was, your girl. Wasn't it, like, Rios, no, wasn't it you, me, and Leon? I think it was, like, you, me, and Leon sitting in the car, or, like, sitting in a in a back room or something, and mm-hmm. we were like, well, what do we want to do? Or, like, he was talking about it, and then it led into this, and it was like, yeah, but who's going to be, like, the elderly black woman? And I was like, Hey, what's that like Georgiana lady that like used to be at the school? And you're like, oh shit. It doesn't even have to be an elder. It doesn't even have to be a legit elderly person. You just throw a wig on anybody, and then yeah. that's more reason for me to, you know, destroy. But I like I like the idea that if she is legitimately old, like visibly old, then like there's credence to the idea that she is your mother. Like you legitimately just super kicked your mom, your adoptive mom or whatever. Like, because that's how much of a heel you are. Like, like don't fucking bother me at work, mom. Yeah. <laughs> mom, I'm at work. I told yeah, you not to like, bother in me. In my mind, it wasn't like someone's being weird and pretending to be your mom. Like that was your fucking mom and you super kicked her. <laughs> On Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, you piece of shit. <laughs> Father's Day. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'll I'll put I'll spray paint my beard. You can super kick me. I'll pretend to be your dad. <laughs> old. Uh, but yeah, like I just remember the Arya Blake match because isn't that the match where it had the barbed wire dildo that you ended up like sitting on? <laughs> It's true. <laughs> That's a real thing that happened. The yeah. real thing. This is wrestling. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's 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 nice because a lot of people bring up that match, you know, and it's it's real. It's really nice that a lot of people bring up the match, and you know, I don't care if I sat on the fucking dick or not. I don't care because I'm a bad guy. I should be sitting on the dick, right? Yeah. So, that's a phrase that people don't use often enough. You know, he's a bad guy. He's just got to sit on the dick. <laughs> too, many people, too many people are afraid of looking stupid or whatever. I don't fucking care. Uh, that's, that's, like, that, that's a great way to like, I want to kind of use that now as a new way of saying like going under. Like, you got to sit on the dick tonight, brother. What'd you call it? Um, uh, but no, it's cool because We Are Family is one of their biggest shows. For those that aren't aware, obviously, we just talked about how they have an ECW-style crowd, and um, they just, they're just they super into it. They're great, and they do, like, a block of music, a block of wrestling, a block of music, a block of wrestling, mm-hmm. and they bring everybody and their mother in for the show, 
and we were one of we were one of the only singles matches, um, if not one of two, I think. I I'm pretty sure there wasn't even three singles matches. I think there was two singles matches. Yeah, we were one of them, and we were the only intergender singles match, and we were almost I think the only intergender match, but I think maybe Veda was in a six man that made it intergender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, fest big things intergender. And even if Veda was in the six-man, clearly we were still like the highlighted um, intergender match and one of the only singles matches. So to me, even if all, even if everything I just said was by accident, it didn't go unnoticed by me. So I took it as a big responsibility. And mm-hmm. you know, you can't. Times are always important, but when you got a band that's about to play music over you, sticking to your time is super important. And the reality is, we built up a feud kind of by accident, and. Um, <laughs> it was, it's all by accident and that's how the best stuff happens and mm-hmm. basically the story wrote itself so this match just needed to be her getting you know her vengeance on me finally so we didn't even need a lot of time plus huge size difference how do we make this believable mm-hmm. and um you know i've definitely gotten a fair share of behind the scenes um praise for it, which i'm super appreciative for and uh, I think you mentioned the word magic, and um, this is where I sound arrogant for a second. I'm pretty good at, um, I think, for the level I'm at, what I do. Um, of course, I'd love to get in that performance center and get a master's degree. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it was a lot of times. A lot of times when you're not a cool heel, or a lot of times, you know, you know, the baby face gets all. I mean, it was. It was just really cool. I was really happy with how it came out. She was happy with how it came out. Uh, I still get talked. It still gets talked about, which is cool. And um, I don't know. Did that even answer your question? <laughs> it was a cool. It was a cool. I, I guess, Yeah. No. I guess I was. I you answered it in saying like you took recognition of the fact that it was one of the only singles matches on this huge card. It had been a rivalry that had been built up over time, and you knew that not only was there a story to tell you knew that you had to tell that story because like yeah the promotion and less was too a lot of people a lot of people sometimes get to their wrestlemania match and that's not fair to say a lot of times people will get to the blow-off match and you do go all out but at the same time this was also just like um point a to point b there wasn't a lot of need for filler it was kind of just point point b and um the story was already told and I think that's, but I think that's good that you recognize that because, you know, Arya's not like it could, that I think a lot of wrestlers would interpret that match as like the chance, like you said, to have like the big traditional blow off match where it's like, we're going to beat the shit out of each other. We're going to get all of our shit in. We're going to add new shit. Like this is the big match. And I think you recognize that like, that's not like, like Arya's a good wrestler, but she's not. You know, she's not Savannah Evans. Like, she's not one of these wrestlers that goes in. And it's like I'm a brutal fucking. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. Like, you know, like she, she, she has a different style. And I think it's recognizing that the way that this is believable, the way that this works, is we have to play tell that story of her being the underdog, fighting from underneath, and exactly. finding clever ways of how she beats a guy who's literally twice her size, three times even. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, you mentioned. You mentioned Savannah. She's I love her to death. She's a can. She's a cannibal. She's a killer. She's mm. great. 
But when you compare her to Arya, she's way more my size than Arya, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not me versus you or me versus you. It's um, there's a huge size discrepancy. So mm-hmm. how do you make this blow-off match? I mean, if we would have gone out there and did false finish after false finish, is that believable? You know, mm-hmm. even wrestling in 2020, as unbelievable is, as it is, you still have to make it believable. And that's what, So I'm not really great at anything. I'm really good at the little things. And that's what makes me really good is the little things, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a master at the little things. So, And it's just the little things that her and I did that really... To the naked eye, probably people don't even see it. You probably see it. You probably see it. You probably see it. But to the naked eye, they don't see it, you know, which is great. Um, or else my my magician tricks would be exposed. But um, there's a huge size difference. So, yeah, I mean, if she would if she would have buckle-bombed me or I would have buckle-bombed her or whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, but to the point of, like, if she is going to do that, like, if, she, if it's literally physically possible for her to buckle-bomb you, that has to be something you build to. That's a huge part of the match. Like that's like a crescendo. Like, holy fuck, hundred and ten pound Arya Blake just buckle bombed CJ O'Doyle. Yeah. And like, I know you would be good enough to know that. Like, that's we can get so much out of her just going for that move, as opposed to it just being another move in the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I was taught early on in wrestling in general is every move has to build and everything has to make sense and don't just do something to do it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, uh, I think her and I need a part two. Fuck her. Right. <laughs> Gotta get, it's time for her to sit on the dick. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really fun series uh, to watch personally. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, but speaking of fun matches, you already kind of touched on it a little bit about, getting to wrestle guys like Tommy Dreamer and Shane Douglas and Tatanka. So, but is there anybody left on the list? Anybody who you would like to have, like we uh, have a bit of a dream match with. I'm talking about your Wrestle Crush Wednesday. Yeah, Triple H. Give me Triple H. Triple H or William Regal because, you know, it's, it's, I don't even know if this is going to make sense, but I always grew up, some of my favorite wrestlers were mid-carters, right? And my friend always used to say, you know, you got to shoot higher, you got to shoot higher, right? So it's it's kind of funny because some of my favorite wrestlers were always mid-carders, you know, intercontinental title holders, et cetera, et cetera. And then you mentioned the ACW title run, which was also a huge moment. Um, and it was during, and it was it was right at that title run where I finally went from a mid-carder to a main eventer, mm-hmm. uh, solidified, let me rephrase that, solidified main eventer. And all of a sudden... I, st- I started watching more Triple H stuff, more Triple H stuff, and started emulating Triple H. You know, there's certain things I do now that pops me in the ring. I don't even know. I, I mean, if people notice it, that's great. But there's certain things, that, certain movements that Triple H does that I now kind of emulate um, because he's the fucking one of the best, right? So if you want to be one of the best, who are you going to watch? You know what I mean? You're going to watch a mid-card or you're going to watch a main eventer. So I wish I would have watched main eventers a lot sooner, but I was just emulating who I enjoyed. Um mm-hmm. And so dream match would be definitely triple H because, you know, you talk about the little things and it's literally so many little things, so many little things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to shut up there, but even little things. And of course, William Regal, cause he's just such a master technician. The guy, that guy has forgotten three times as many things as I'll ever know. And, um, and yeah, so give me those guys. Give me liberty or give me death, however that goes. But um, 
this might be a little random, but I'd love to wrestle Chris Hero. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a good one. I'd I'd pay big money to see that. That would be a very very fun match to watch. That's a that's a that's a meaty meaty slap boy match. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact, back in like 2004, 2005, I actually wrestled Claudio Castagnoli, also known as Cesaro, during yeah. one of our Young Lions Cups. Um, uh, Chris Hero, Regal, Triple H, um, Edge would be sweet. Um, I wrestled your trainer once, I think, or maybe twice in New Jersey when we were both super young, so I'd love to wrestle him again. Nice. Uh, back when he was in a faction or I was in a faction or one of us was in a faction called the NBC, ask him about it. <laughs> okay. Just text him, just text him be like, yeah, CJ Doyle said to ask you about NBC. Um, who else? Uh, I feel like when you first asked this, I had like a thousand names and now I'm struggling, but, uh, that is how it happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anybody like on the current, like, independent level that like you would love to get a, get a go at everybody <laughs> give me everybody i'm not picky give me everybody um i would love to see you and like o'shea edwards i feel like that'd be a really good match we did a six-way recently nice it, yeah it was a six-person um I, don't, I think it was a six-person fray we had just minimal interaction but we already had the crowd basically in the palm of our hands and uh, you talk about meaty hoss slaps. I mean, that's that is a meaty hoss slap match. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and I know Nerd Street does the does the hoss matches, and I've been in the majority of them. So, uh, if Leon or Ben or anyone at Nerd Street's listening, give me O'Shea. Yeah. Fucking book it, you Please. cowards. O'Shea, O'Shea versus O'Doyle. Oh my. Oh, God. oh lordy. Um. Oh, oh, I it's remember. Ma- <laughs> oh, oh, it's magic. O'Shea versus Dale <laughs> Doyle. Fucking book it. So that's what we're naming this episode, right? Oh, oh, it's magic. <laughs> Funny story is um, me and O'Shea are buddies, and we were talking about how, you know, he's a killer and I'm a killer. And which is so funny because we're both such nice guys behind the scenes. But in the ring, we're both killers. And I think, <laughs> I think that's how it always is, right? You're always kind of maybe the opposite of what you are. But, anyways. Um, we actually joked that we should form a tag team and come out to the ring dancing, kind of like um, Brodus and Prince Albert. And <laughs> we, we would come out to Oh, Oh, It's Magic. And yeah. we would just, you know, do a do a super cool dance, whatever, and just be two dancing fools. And then kind of like kind of like Festus, as soon as that bell rings, boom, we are fucking yeah. killers. Oh. Bell rings again. We start dancing. Oh, oh, it's literally. Mad- you go from two cool bell ring road warriors, bell ring back to two cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the tag team I never knew I needed. Yes. Oh, fuck. Um, yep. Did you spend any time in that FIP host division? Did FIP have a host division? They did uh, for a little while. It was super cool. Uh, we talked about it on our, uh, on our Odinson episode because uh, he had some... Uh, barn burners in the host division it was the uh you know odinson the john davises of the uh of the uh, floor scene so that's that's a different incarnation i guess i mean i did have a, i did have a few matches i guess for that fip when they were at the uh comic book store yeah um 
and obviously I didn't do the host division if I don't even sound familiar. So I know in FIP, so when, I, when I came to, when I was in Florida in like 08, 09, I wrestled a few times for FIP. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Osborne was one of the times, rest his soul. Um, and he was a beefy guy. And that's the same time that I was wrestling John Davis and Bruce and uh, Corey all over Florida. Um, but officially not for the FIP Haas. And then while I wrestled some Haas's, like Mark Silva for FIP, mm-hmm. uh, I guess during that time, because I remember on the same card that I wrestled Mark Silva, John Davis took on Odinson in a fucking killer match. So um, I just had no cognizant that they were calling it the Haas division or whatever. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so officially no, but pick your version of FIP and I've kind of done it. So. Good. Well, it was just funny to me because I remember um, we were talking to Odinson about it. And he said, like, yeah, the host division was cool. It was like, I think the cutoff was like, you had to be at least 235 pounds. And I remember look, looking down at myself and thinking, I'm a, I'm a hoss? <laughs> like, I like, what is, I'm a, it's like, you know, I never feel like a big guy. And then when someone tells me, like, I would have qualified for the quote unquote hoss division, I'm like, well, shit. All right. Yeah, you're <laughs> Yeah, you're a 245er, brother. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And the reality is, you know, WWE has a bunch of athletes where, you know, obviously it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different now. Plus, they have the cruiserweights. But the reality is, people like you and me at 227 and 235 or whatever you said you are. I'm 250 right now. We are, huh? I'm 250 right now. Perfect. So we're still small guys compared to the world of six foot four, six foot six. So we're big on our level, but we're mm-hmm. tiny on their level. So um, I'm not going to name names, but I always find it funny when guys that are even smaller than me have like these um, Taz-like characters. And I'm like, if you ever got to the Fed, you would not be able to wrestle like this at yeah. all. I'm so. very, I'm very cognizant. Aaron can attest to this because I'm very cognizant of my moveset is not a Haas moveset. Right. The, the most Haas thing I do is a gourd buster. Right. And even then, that's just like, you know, Eddie Guerrero did Gory Busters, you know? Like, one, I'm very good. I was going to say, that's one thing I've kind of struggled with a little bit, too, is keeping a moveset that you can do to anyone because, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is uh, most guys are going to be bigger. Obviously, again, it's a different culture now. But, yeah. you know, and obviously now I've adopted a little bit more of the, you know, Buckle Bomb, J-Driller, you know, using my size because – I'll use my size to my advantage on this level as long as I can remember that when I get to that level, mm. uh, got to have to adapt. And I have to incorporate moves that you can hit on anybody, even at this level, or else someone's going to watch it back. Like, well, those moves are good, but he can never hit them on someone larger. Next, you got to be able to mm. remember that, you know, someone's watching and you know what I mean? So kind of a little bit of everything. So um, it's good to have that versatility. Yeah. First why I'm like, I'm focusing on like adding submissions to my moveset mm-hmm. or like holds or like, and then also like making sure that I have like a variety of strikes or like a variety of suplexes. Cause you know, suplex, I could pretty much not anybody, but I can do a suplex to most people. Cause it's a, it's a partnered move. Like, you know, you have to give me the jump. So like, um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just very cognizant of like, I don't do power bombs i don't do big like like i remember one time i was in a match and a dude asked me to give him a press slam and i'm just like i am not giving you a fucking press slam like i'm not saying i can't get you up for it but like 
I don't want that to be a, a thing people expect me to fucking do. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just like, so it's, yeah, I feel like not enough people really think about that of like, is your moveset like conducive to all environments? Yeah. Before, before, before everybody and their mother was doing an RKO, that was one of my, that was, that was my finish for a long time. Um, because of something you could hit on anybody. So back, back when like only Randy Orton was doing it. Um, and that's why I had chosen it. You know what I mean? But obviously can't do it because everybody does it. So, yeah. Okay, man. I tend to be on the back end of that, like, uh, as opposed to like being considered a hoss and not feeling hossy, I guess. I'm actually the opposite because I'm considered a cruiserweight. And I don't think I've ever wrestled like I'm a cruiserweight. I don't cru- think. Yeah. I'm barely weight, 200 weight pounds. Weight-wise, technically. Yeah, weight-wise, I literally could be working 205 because well, I'm under 200 pounds. Um, I mean, during quarantine, I could have been on 205 Live. <laughs> yeah. So you had the opposite problem, me. See, I gained the quarantine 15. Um, and I guess you lost the quarantine 15. As soon as, as soon as, so my body was in self-preservation mode between, you know, my deal, Chels, uh, between my deal and then boom, smack quarantine. It was a double whammy. So with oh. that double, yeah. So with that double whammy, I dropped 23 pounds total, but then as soon as. How do you people do that? And well, don't fucking bring up the fruit loops, Rios, because I've had enough of it. Fruit loops. Uh, well, you know, the first half of that answer, uh, <laughs> And then the second half is, um, I feel like my body was in self-preservation mode. Like when you get injured, like you don't like lose it. For me, everyone's different. But for me, if I'm injured, I generally retain whatever size I had. Because it's like my body knows, hey, you're hurt. You can't work out right now. We're going we're gonna to be kind and keep you on pause. It's, so, a, it's maintenance mode. Yeah. So I feel like I was in that maintenance mode until my body hurt. Gyms are back. And then, or gyms are back at the end of the month. So when it was gyms are back at the end of the month, boom, the weight started coming back on. And now I'm fairly sure I look exactly like I did minus eight pounds pre-quarantine. So I pretty much, I was at 235, went down to 212, and now I'm at 227. So, um, yeah, I was, I was doing good. I was like in the gym like four or five days a week. I was like really getting stricter about my diet. I got down to about 238. And and then quarantine happened, and I didn't gain like a shit ton of weight, but I just like, I I got back up to about two fifty. But my at my highest, I was two sixty five. So so you're still you're still plus you're still benefit fifteen. So there you go. Yeah. So like I'm hoping like tomorrow I think I'm gonna try. I I've avoided the gyms because I just think it's a bad idea. But from I've talked to a few people about how it feels at the gyms, and it's. And it's, you know, it's not any more dangerous than what I'm already doing. So yeah, I just feel like, all right, fuck it. I'll bring my towel. I'll, I'll bring lots of hand sanitizer. I'll wear my mask and just. Well, get crunches, pushed. crunches right now. You have to bring a towel with you. They yeah, yeah, yeah. The building without a towel. Well, that's what I have a crunch. So they told me, they're like, yeah, you have to have a towel and a mask and everything. So, right. so I think I mean, tomorrow is going to be my first attempt at like going back to the gym. Yeah, I mean. I have a very, very, you know, 
uh, without getting too into it, um, I didn't really have to worry for my current scheduling duties. The gym wasn't really a factor because with my current scheduling duties, we were already in quarantine basically. So now I'm finally actually adjusting to how is my gym going to work with, you know, the child and work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So last week I actually went early before work twice and I'm not really a morning person. Um, and then I think I went once after and then, or sorry, that was two weeks ago. And then last week, um, my, my whole point is I'm still figuring it out, but I've gone in the morning and it's not bad. So if you have the opportunity, it's pretty empty. And honestly, in the past two weeks, the only time it was really busy was they closed at five on Saturday and I got there at like four and that's the busiest I've seen it in two weeks. So I always have a towel anyway. I'm already a freak as is go figure. Um, and I don't know. I mean, as long as you're wiping your shit down, I don't think, I mean, you said it yourself. I don't think you're at any more risk than you are at the grocery store and you have to do that. So take your shit, wipe it down. And then if someone's too close to you, just walk with your elbows out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be like, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Shoulder tackle. Pretty much. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, uh, I got into, I, cause I'm back at work and, uh, I, I didn't, you know, it's funny. They gave us like a whole lecture before we went back to work about like how to interact with customers and don't escalate, always de-escalate. And I just couldn't do it with this one lady. She like, cause I was like helping this lady do an online order for a pair of shoes we didn't have. And I'm like on the iPad, like punching in stuff and her daughter's standing next to her and she's going like, literally she just goes, why is Starbucks closed? Like pissy that in our mall, our Starbucks is still closed. First world and, problem. Yeah, and her mom turns to her and goes, "Because everyone's afraid of their fucking shadow." And I just literally put the iPad down, looked her dead in the eye, and just went, "Well, my grandmother's dead because of her shadow." So, oh, is that true? Uh, basically, like, there's no like definitive proof that she died of COVID, but she died right as um. COVID was spiking in Florida. She died on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, well, Michael. It would make a lot of sense if that was. And, and they said that she died in her sleep because she stopped breathing. Uh, my condolences, number one. No, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not here to get sympathy. I'm not trying to play dead grandma card, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know if she died of COVID, but at the end of the day, like, people are dying. And so don't come at me with this fucking Groundhog Day bullshit. Like, fuck yeah. you. We're just yeah. afraid, Susie. No, Karen. Yeah. Like, literally the most Karen thing I've heard. And, and I work in retail, so that's saying something. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, just because it's not forefront on the news at the moment doesn't mean it went away. And, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still super cautious. Um, I literally just today took my kid for 10 minutes only to our community park um and literally as soon as we were done we came right home and it was bath time so uh, it's it's been like three months or whatever so um i'm, I'm still super cautious um yeah I mean, i'm still super, i'm still super cautious but i gotta get my lift on and you know yeah. you just gotta do it first off you should have been washing your goddamn hands after you went to the bathroom all along. Can I just say oh, that? The whole time. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, the preventive measures are stuff we should have been doing all along. Wash your goddamn hands. Okay. I mean, if you pick your nose, wash your hands, right? If you so, see hands. So then how do you feel about, I guess, while we're on the topic, how do you feel about all these promotions that are trying to run this month and like going into the summer? Um, I mean, and are you booked on any of that? <laughs> yeah, I, I got I'm, I'm wrestling for ARW on Friday and I did actually message Alex and be like, all right, listen, what are we doing to be extra cautious in the back? This way we're not on top of each other. Yada, 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 because I got a three-year-old. Yeah. So, um, and that's just literally an example of a preventive measure, you know? So, I mean. We're all adults. We all have to make our own decisions, right? Yeah. So um, if people want to go out to a wrestling show, I mean, enter your, at your own risk. You know, I like the yeah. idea of – I like the, I, think I, I think I heard him say that, um, you know, chairs will be six feet apart. But if you want to sit with your friends and family, you're welcome to. But chairs are going to be six feet apart, yada, yada, yada. You know, there's not going to be 400 chairs. There's going to be 50 or something like that for proper spacing. So, you know, enter at your own risk. People are going out to eat, right? Um, mm -hmm. so there's not really much difference between a wrestling show and going out to a restaurant, right? You're still yeah. going to sit with your family at the restaurant. You're still going to sit with your family at the wrestling show, you know, or you're going to have every other table blocked off. So if you have six feet in between chairs or six feet in between parties, it's basically the same thing as a restaurant as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so, you know, as a spectator, I'm not opposed to it. I mean... They got the NXT guys in the crowd six feet apart. So what's the difference between the WWE or an independent company and or ARW doing the same thing with the you know people in the crowd? So, you know, I'm cool with that. And I kind of wish we could do like the plexi screen apparatus for indie shows. Like yeah. if you could like create a, a series of tubes <laughs> from the from the back to the ring. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I'm I'm with it for sure and. You know, my bigger, my biggest concern is just, you know, I know how tight the locker room is and I don't want to be that. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, it's a hallway and two bathrooms. Yeah, so I actually, I actually told him, you know, I may, I told him, and I know this affects you a little bit, but we can talk later. I told him, you know, it's not, be, it's not ego. It's not big head. Nope. No, it's nothing about that. It's, it's safety. You know, it's like you have a, you have a child, you have elder, elderly parents. It's, it's a. It's a safety public health issue. I, I imagine what you're going is like it literally like if I was in your situation, I feel like I would literally pull up to the venue and I would text my Alex. I'd be like, I'm here. Please tell my opponent to come to my car. Well, pretty okay. much. Pretty much. Because as I said, I messaged him and I, I prefaced by saying, you know, this isn't about ego or big head or hard to work with or any bullshit, anything. This is literally I have a three year old. So I'm probably going to get there a little bit later and I'm probably going to leave as soon as my match is done so I can come home and shower. And he's like, absolutely, yada, 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 yada. He knows well enough by now. You've been working with him for a long time yeah. that I think he's, he's cognizant of the fact that and it's it, not an ego thing. And if I was he, the promoter, he, I would... He better be. I was his first champion, his first main event. Yeah. So I, was, I was his opening match and his main event on the first show, so... I, I feel like if I was the promoter, I would definitely just tell everybody, like, hey communicate if you know i understand if you don't feel comfortable you know, in the locker room you know just be like please uh if you only need to if you only want to communicate with your opponent and or opponents that's fine um and then please i would actually ask everyone as soon as you're done with your match get your money and please leave so that way there's if yeah. there's anybody in the locker room there's more space 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty in my own bubble with my kid a lot of the time. I just come out when I have to and go back in, get mm-hmm. take care of business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I kind of like it, but anyways, um, I mean, literally the when I said, literally, I believe it was, a, hey, what kind of measures are you taking for the back, yada yada yada? And he right away said, listen, if you're uncomfortable and you don't want to come, and he didn't mean this. I'm coming off. It wasn't the in a shitty way. Yeah, it was like, if you're going to be a coward about it. Yeah, no, no, no. He was completely cool. He's like, listen, if you need to pull off, I completely understand 100%. Safety first, yeah, yeah, Like, he, he, his first option was literally, like, if you don't want to come, you're cool. Uh, But not in a shitty way, obviously. It was a completely cool way. Because if it was shitty, obviously would have not been cool and reacted a certain way. But, uh, and I was like, no, I was like, you know, I still want to come. I want to wrestle. But I just want to know what's in place. Yada, yada, yada. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um. But yeah, I mean, I'm cool with indie shows coming back. I mean, again, restaurants are opening up and gyms, and why would indie shows be the the only thing not running? You know what I mean? So, if yeah. fucking if Disney and Universal can open up, then I think a little indie show can open up. You know what I mean? Whether it's 400 people or a thousand people or 50 people or 500 or whatever. Yeah. Use the word little, so I don't want to be offensive, but uh, yeah. you know what I mean. If fucking Universal and Disney can open up, then yeah, yeah, it's you know you take the you take the precautions you need to, and you make your own decisions on whether or not you're gonna do what you're gonna do. I'm may or may not be in a unique position uh, since I will not be at that show um, and will not be having a match, and will definitely not be interrupting anybody else's match. That I would not have to, you know. Uh, change the girls and Chelsea. stuff like that so I can just kind of show up Chelsea, <laughs> this episode's coming out after the show you don't have to kayfabe it what day is today? I thought you said it's coming out Wednesday no, no that's you're, we're, you're, this is, we're, uh, we're backlogging so you're coming out a week after so the, we're, the week we're recording this it's not coming out this week it's coming out the like following oh Come on, guys. You yeah, know I have a future future right now. Yeah, so you don't have to. If anything, you can talk about it retroactively. Like, how was your running, Chelsea? <laughs> yeah, running on that show, so I don't have to change into my gear. I don't have to really like, you know, block out a match or anything like that. It's just like I'm gonna slide in the ring and beat you up, and security's gonna throw me out. Uh, well, so I really have to touch anybody. Spoiler alert, I think I'm wearing all black, so I'm not even going to probably be in my traditional gear, so. <laughs> Breaking out the Sons of Anarchy. You should break out the Sons of Anarchy mask. Yeah. Oh, the Aces and Eights mask? Or the, yeah, the Aces and Eights mask. See, you even fucking, like. I fucked, I fucked it up. It's okay. Wasn't, um, wasn't Paro part of Aces and Eights? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. God, who wasn't part of Aces and Eights? Yeah, but, yeah, but me and Paro were used the most. So yeah. we were we were the two the two of us were used the most and just like you and I Chelsea have kind of a similar have a, a special bond or whatever Pyro and I will always have a special bond because we were the two most frequently used aces and eights and that's where him and I kind of forged a behind the scenes friendship uh, yeah. that'll always you know be a bond you know it's like me and you Chelsea obviously have our thing me and Pyro have our thing me and Casey Lennox went to a tryout together and those things are excruciating so it's like you have a bond there it's really neat. You have all these different bonds for different reasons that you go through with people that only know that particular situation. You know what I mean? So Paro did it. Um, and him and I were definitely the ones that were most used, uh, yeah. if you will. So 
I feel like Pero before the Aces and Eights thing happened, wasn't Pero doing like a like a giant toddler gimmick or he something? Was still Mikey at that point. Yep. Yeah, he was yep. doing that. That basically like he was like a giant five year old or some shit. Exactly. Yeah, she had a propeller bat, a propeller hat, and a Ninja Turtles backpack. Yeah, it was great. And obviously, the gimmick he does now is exactly like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> this I like to envision um, Paro as um, Mikey grew up, or like they cured his like whatever like Robinson syndrome he had, and he's like, and now he's fucking pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think of it like Mikey um like like the Mikey character is Paro, like you said, he grew up, but it's not like he grew up like like uh do you guys remember the movie um The Goods? Yeah. So like but that Jimmy, uh that, the, uh, the Rob Riggle character where he's like a ten year old boy. Oh, yeah, 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 he has yeah, yeah, yeah. he has the body of a forty year old man. <laughs> and the one lady keeps trying to fuck him. Yeah, and uh, and so like I like to imagine that Paro. That's why Paro's so mad because he's looked like that since he was nine years old, <laughs> and, and like the 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 emotional torture that a nine year old has to go through with like being that he's big. Six foot four and having a beard. How much work do you think it would take for us to do a possession spot if we ever wrestle the end, and I turn Mike, uh, I turn Paro back into Mikey? Oh. That would be the amount of money be... you'd have to pay him to be a giant. I'll squirrel it away. I'll squirrel away all our cameo money and spend it on that. But before we, I think we're getting close to wrap up time, but before we go, I wanted to touch on a thing, CJ, that I have always appreciated about you. Like I said, you were one of the first people I met just period in pro wrestling. Always happy. I wasn't. To... No, the quite the opposite. Because, like I said, you've always been a chill dude, uh, over super friendly. And what I appreciate about you was, because, um, like I said, uh, wrestlers are always looking for validation. And uh, I remember the when we when we debuted for um, Atomic, the promotion you were just talking about. You were there, and we were talking in the locker room, and it was like a few weeks after we had had our match at we are family at fest and you know we talk a lot about fest on this show it's definitely one of our favorite promotions to work for um they've given us a lot of opportunities that we've greatly appreciated but you know to be candid i always felt like we were kind of in an uphill battle with fest because they were never sure what to do with us and you know truth be told i don't know how much faith they actually had in us as like wrestlers or as characters like I think they kind of saw us one way and we didn't deliver in the way that they wanted. And so like, it was kind of like, all right, we'll keep you around, but nothing or anything significant. We'll just, you know, bring you in here and there. And that's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not bitter about that, but it was just always look for the opportunities to prove yourself. So I felt like when we came into that, we are family match on the tag gauntlet and we wrestled four star heroes. We were like, we want to show everybody that we've grown that we've gotten better, that we, we know who we are now and we, we're going to fucking kill it. And we, we were only given like four or five minutes and we fucking used every minute we had in that match. And I felt good about that match. I felt strongly about that match. I was like, okay, but you know, you just feel that. You don't know that. Nobody came up to me and was like, 
you know, you know, you know, here's your contract, kid. You're gonna, you're on the next ten fest shows or something. Um, but we saw you at Atomic, and you specifically talked to us about that match. You're like, hey, I just want you guys know, like, I think you proved a lot of people wrong that night. Like, you showed a lot of people how much you've grown, and it just coming from someone like you, who I know is not a bullshitter, who wouldn't just say things just to be nice to me, like that meant a lot to me. That meant the world to me. They'll be like, ah, oh, someone. Someone's senpai noticed me. <laughs> there were a lot of emotional heart to hearts at that show. Yeah. Was that the same show? That was the same show. Ugh, gross. Yeah, I have like, like, and I was already like emotional about other shit because it was like uh, the first match back from my major injury that I shouldn't have even had because I totally wasn't ready. Um, and there's like parts of that night that I don't even remember because I was so dizzy. I don't even remember the match. Um, well, it happened. But, um, Did it. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad that you have that validation. I'm glad that it meant something to you. Um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head on the Hoffman. You hit the nail. Fuck, it just fucked In up. In the head. On the head. On the head of the coffin. Whatever. Uh, sorry, I just got distracted. Anywho, you're, you're spot on. I'm not going to bullshit anybody. I'm not gonna be. Like, oh yeah, that was real good. Yeah, yeah. And you guys did fucking awesome. You literally have done. You literally did awesome. So I'm glad it meant something to you. Um, that's all I got. I'm glad it meant something to you. I wasn't lying. And, uh, yeah. That's your- what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I knew. You know, I always liked you. I was like, yeah, CJ's a cool guy. But then it was that night where I was like, CJ's a real one. <laughs> yeah. So that was that that match that we had there was that was uh, for ARW that mm-hmm. night was just it was such a like a weird one but it was fun because we were throwing around this idea of the possession we wanted to do for it oh that was the let it go match that was the let it go match and they liked the let it go spot so much that we ended up getting thrown into the your match uh like we came in and did the let it go spot again uh and then got all got splashed by Sawyer Fulton <laughs> And it was fun to watch. I do remember that. Yeah. I remember that night. It was so funny because I'm not going to name names, but our opponent. So we almost got into a lot of trouble on that show <laughs> because so. Oh, yeah. We this, so, OK. So for, for those of you who don't know, the Atomic shows routinely run out of this uh, ballroom in a hotel in um, like down South Florida. And um so they don't need the whole ballroom for the show. So they cut it off with a wall partition, one of those like fake walls. And so we're resting on the outside and my opponent grabs me and shit cans me into this wall. You know, and I, I like to think of myself as a good, a decent wrestler. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to half-ass this bump. Like if he's throwing me into the wall, I'm going to take it. And I hit it and it like, I guess I like offset the track or something and like, you know, and it was like, oh shit. And, but I had to explain to the promoter, it wasn't my idea to get thrown into the wall. That just happened to me. Um, and then the other thing was the, so chair. We had the chair. So the whole bit about the let it go spot was that they were supposed to bring a chair into the ring and then we possess them, sing let it go by Frozen. It comes on the speakers. We sing the song, let it go, let it go. And then it goes into the next thing. So they had told us before the show, hey guys, Please don't use any of the uh, hotel property or furniture in your matches. 
if you need a weapon, specifically a chair, there are steel chairs under the ring. Let us know if you're doing a chair spot. So I got the chair spot cleared with our agent. And so then I tell my opponent, hey, go get a chair. And like CJ, I'm going to pose this question to you. We are in a pro wrestling match on a pro wrestling show. And I tell you, hey, CJ, for this spot, I need you to go get a chair. What, where would you look and what chair would you get? A folding chair from underneath the ring. Okay, that is not what my opponent did. He went into the crowd and got one of the hotel chairs that fans were sitting on. One of those, like, like you know, like the, the ones that don't fold that have padding and shit on them. The metal framed padded ones. Yeah, and chucked it into the ring, Terry Funk style, because that was the only way it was getting. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than that. I was I was enjoying. Wes Briscoe came up to me. He was our agent, and he was like, "That was a perfectly structured tag match. Good job." And I was like, "Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, boss." <laughs> You're like Wes Briscoe. Weren't you in Aces and Eights? <laughs> That's a callback. Oh shit! Fucking. But uh, yeah, fun times. Fun times. Uh, hopefully, we'll be having more fun times with you, CJ. Um, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, what are you? Uh, what are your socials? We got you. Got a pro wrestling tees. Got an Instagram. Got a Twitter. What's your gimmicks? Pro wrestling slash CJ O'Doyle. Twitter is at CJ O'Doyle. Facebook is CJ O'Doyle. <laughs> uh, Tell me that O'Doyle rules. Snapchat is CJ O'Doyle39. Oh. <laughs> Instagram is Lionheart CJ39. So before we go, where did Lionheart come from? Um, gosh, sometime back in the year 1647, <laughs> I, um, I needed a, a moniker or something, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. I needed a moniker, and. I don't know. I'm sure it had some kind of combination of Chris Jericho wasn't using it, and I never give. I was a 185 pounds baby face, and I never gave up. Had the heart of a lion, and a lion's a strong animal. And sometimes when when one plus one equals two, you just do it. And you know, in hindsight, in hindsight, I almost wish I hadn't, just because of the just because just because Chris Jericho was Lionheart, right? And, yeah. You know, how do you show? Like, you show Demon Daddy with makeup, right? With, you know, yeah. shit like that, right? You show, um, I don't know, just how do you show Lionheart without getting your ass kicked all the time? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would have been better to be like, doink, and here I am a clown, or, yeah. you know, Wolf Taylor's a deadbeat, right? So you can, um, you know, have pictures of situations like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just found it challenging to present that without getting my ass kicked at the same time to be fair i am super creative for everybody except for myself so i'm sure all three of you have thousands of ideas floating around and i can't think of a one but that's just how my brain works so well i was just thinking because chris jericho originally got that name from mexico he was carlos de leon yep so did you ever think about doing lionheart in like irish gaelic (laughs) <laughs> nope 
Well, apparently it's Croy Leon. So, so, so if you want to be Croy Leon. How do you say all around jerk? All around <laughs> jerk. Let me see. I got Google Translate up. Uh, Tim, Tim Bale jerk. Perfect. Bale jerk. Yeah, Tim Bale jerk. That sounds like a Jamaican accent. I don't know what that was. <laughs> you sound like fucking um, the the Kofi at the Taco Bell drive-through story. <laughs> hey man, can I get that crazy gordita? Have you seen? Have you heard that story? No, he gets, he gets uh, so it's like Kofi's in the car with like his uh, his kids or something, and he decides it'd be funny to order the food with the Jamaican accent and everything. Uh, well, he, he gets to the uh, uh, checkout near like the, the last window and he pays and he goes, uh, he's staying in character this whole time. I'm gonna do a Jamaican accent and it's not intended to be offensive to anybody, but it's as best as I can do. Um, and he's like, yeah, let me check the food real quick. I gotta know it's real nice before I eat it. And he unwraps it and he like looks at his bean burrito and he takes this giant bite of it and he looks at the clerk in the window and he goes, My compliments to the chef. Taco Bell Tongue did it again. Boom, boom, boom. And speeds the fuck off. But the the my compliments to the chef. Taco Bell Tongue did it again. I literally die every time I hear that story. But yeah, that's what that reminded me of. That's like that video of uh, Ryback going through the Arby's drive-thru with his theme music. (laughs) Like, he literally... (laughs) He's just like, he's like, you hear the videos, like, he's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> he gets to the window and he rolls down the window. And he goes, Hi, welcome to Marvies. We're going to get you. And he's just like, uh, and he says something like, I want all the meat. Like, she's like, um, So you want like a number three, sir? Which I think is like their biggest sandwich. And he's like, Yeah, sure, I'll do that. And she's like, All right, your total is, you know, 847. Pull the next window. And he's like, Cool. He rolls the window back up and then he turns his music back up. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And it's like it's funny because I know if I ever got to a level that he got to where he's like featured on TV regularly and everything like that, I would have been like, I'd probably do dumb shit like that. <laughs> 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 oh, all right, CJ. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure. Uh, I wasn't aware of your deep ECW origins, so that was a treat to, to learn about. That's Did- all. That's all me, man. If ECW hadn't shut down, then I would have gone to their school. It's, it's a fact. If they hadn't shut down, I would have gone to their wrestling school as soon as I turned 18. Mm-hmm. And at 16, they said, as soon as you turn 18, you got a spot. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, fucking perfect. At the school. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So maybe I would have moved to New York had they not um, closed down. And who knows? But yeah, I'm all ECW. Ask Rich Swan, I'm all ECW. <laughs> Did uh, when you wrestled Tommy and and Dreamer or Tommy and uh, Douglas, did they know that about you? That you were a top, like you were a ring crew? Um, no, because I mean, who the fuck's gonna remember some fucking teenage punk? Well, no, I'm not expecting them to remember, but did you tell them, like, hey, th- like, yeah. you know, this... <laughs> I tell every single one of them, <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, I've been waiting 14 years for this fucking match. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, I had eyes on you from day one, Dreamer, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, oh fuck man awesome well cj you're a treasure i appreciate thank you. you thank you for having me and send me all your ecw legends so i can annihilate them oh, <laughs>
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to hit our socials before we hit the uh, turn off record button. You can find Demon Road Diaries on Instagram and Facebook by simply searching Demon Road Diaries. You can find the coda at We Are The Coda on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and at ProWrestlingTees.com slash We Are The Coda. You can find me personally at Music City Messiah on Instagram and Music City KG on Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bastard Son Rios, R-I-O-S. And uh, we already know the Facebook stick. I shouldn't have to tell you anymore. You can find me on Instagram at Durden Says, Twitter at The Durden Says, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Chelsea Durden. And as always, my mother is the sweetest woman you'll ever meet. Leave her alone on Instagram. And uh, as we've been, uh, we've been accustomed to saying now and forever, stay safe, stay jacked. Stay jacked. What's up, guys? Thanks for sticking around after the episode. You know what I'm here to tell you about La Barba Cubano. You know Father's Day is this weekend, and what did you get your dad? What, another screwdriver kit from the Home Depot or a stupid tie he's not going to care about? What you need to do is get him better beard care. So head to La Barba Cubano on Instagram and pick up Dark Arts, Cafe, Manuel, Carlos, or any of our other beard scents that will help treat the skin and leave a beautiful smell That'll make your dad's beard the talk of the neighborhood at that Father's Day barbecue. And when you're ready to check out, use the code Demon Daddies to save yourself 13%. Get your dad better beard care. Hell, get your baby daddy, your boyfriend, your husband, anyone who's got a beard. Get him better beard care with La Barba Cubano. All right, welcome to Demon Road Diaries. We're not as angry as last week, I don't think. You guys aren't as angry as last week? I'm not as angry as last week. Not a lot of cussing to start it off with. You know who we are, but we're going to tell you again, because that's what we do. I am that sweet, sweet children's TV personality that you love. Katie G. You can spell it with me if you really want to. K-A-Y-D-E-E. Is that not a good start? Yeah? I'm, I'm not going to sing it with you. Damn it. All right. Let's try that again then. I'm going to save this and I'm going to stick it at the end of the episode just to heads up for stupidness. Excellent. All right. Those are hard. <laughs> this is what, 15? This, uh, this is 15, right? Uh, yeah, CJ. Yeah. All right, cool. And...